The uh, the uh, the I'm out of time. Yeah, right. I'm about to say, give him the, give him the sexy red. <laughs> you can tell I don't be listening to this. Uh. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let me see. Maybe this, love. Love. I don't care if you know me, you bout to respect how I step Why would you think I'd ever fear you? I don't even fear death A scary boy need a gun like Bad Brett need a gum Yeah, your teeth clean, but I know the power of the tongue I'm a man of God, I ain't superstitious From New Orleans where Birdman quotes get treated like Bible scriptures I got money on my mind, I'm just trying to get some dough I ain't picking up my lot, unless it's money on the phone Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on I've been chasing after paper, all I know is broad money marathon. Capital Games. Woo! I like that. I mean, like. I ain't giving up my happy for none of y'all, motherfuckers. You know what I mean? Yo, well, welcome back to another great episode of Capital Games Podcast, where we have real conversations with real people in real time, 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 time. Mm. I am one of your hosts. DJ Bay, also known as the Prince of Hemp. Then we have my co-host here. Peter Parker, CEO, Digital Billionaire, Director of the Year. You already know. You got it that time. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to my left, we got... Script Girl, Daydreams, the Credit Queen. And today we have a special guest, Mr. D. <laughs> please, 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 tell the people a little bit about yourself and, you know, like, well, first, just introduce yourself, please. My pleasure. Um, I am D1. I am rapper, educator, speaker, activist, entrepreneur from New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, Harvard University fellow. Uh, prof- oh. We Gucci? Yeah, we Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we have a little bit of... Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks for everyone who's awake. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, uh... Also a professor at Tufts University. Um, but on top of all that, just a dude that's really just trying to make God proud and just maximize his existence here on this earth. That's all I am at the core, man. All them, all them job titles and all them accomplishments, that's, that's secondary. At the end of the day, I'm, just a, I'm just, a, just a regular dude, bro, just trying to make sure I fulfill my purpose in life. No, oh, that's dope, bro. Man, we we kind of go way back a little bit, bro. Like mm-hmm. this was this was overdue. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I've been, you know, uh, I've been a fan foremost for as long as I can remember when I used to live in New Orleans. And then we were supposed to link up and shoot that video. And then I kept meeting you at the the Black National Conventions with Dr. Boyce. And we always talked. We like, yo, we gotta get together. We gotta get together. And I think timing now is it, just the right time for us to just you know make that happen. And now we're here. Yeah, bro, I, when I look at my phone um, under your name, I got your number stored from way in 2016. That's crazy. Yeah, like I literally have your number stored from 2016 because I got your name and then I put the year. I put 2016 next to it. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. So we've been going back and forth for that long. Never actually did any work, but always was on the verge of it. 100%. 100%. Seven years later. Seven, seven years later. Damn. You know what That's I mean? That's the magic number. Come on, man. The number of completion. Come you know on. what I mean? So maybe we just completed our process of just of just seeing one another, saluting one another, and finally saying it's time to, you know, interact with one another on a work level. So, 100%, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, man, a lot has changed, bro, in the last 
man, you've been on a roll. What, what's going yeah. on? I've yeah. been seeing you everywhere. Yeah, I'm it's supposed to be viral. winning, bro. I'm supposed to be, you know, all, everything like that. is happening. That's how it's supposed to be. So when people are surprised, um, shame on them, you know, because I'm, I'm an extremely dope rapper, educated, care about people, and a man of God. Why would I not be winning? So l let me ask you a question. Um, you know, I know you're one of those people that really stay true to who you are and you don't bend or fold for anybody. And that's, I know that's your motto. Um, what do you think, you know, not bending and not folding is what took you maybe longer than others, was, so to speak? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how do you feel about that? Just not being able to bend and fold to what the industry may have wanted you to do? Yeah, I think that not conforming to what the industry wanted from me has given me like a hero's type of uh, energy when I walk around this world. People look at me as like, bro, you are what we've been wanting to see this whole time is who's going to have the opportunity to get all the way mainstream but be like, nah, it's not worth it if I got to water down my message. And who's still going to win like by, by saying I'm going to do it my own way, but I'm still going to win. And people look at me like, you that example, like they seeing it, you know. So I will say this. There's different levels to success in this world. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the industry, they, they judge your success by how well you can flaunt your success on Instagram, mm. how well you can stunt and flex online, right? So that's what they're judging your success by. So for people who are like, dang, D, you really going viral right now. Like, this is crazy. You finally getting your just due. Man, I haven't had a job since 2009. Mm. Mm -hmm. Count that up. That's 15 years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And when I say not had a job, meaning like doing my art my way, traveling across this planet, you know what I mean? And yeah, bro, like winning. Let's think about that because here on Capital Games, we let to talk about entrepreneurship and, um, you know, the, the what, what it takes to become an entrepreneur and stay an entrepreneur, right? Man, like you've been a rapper that long and been making money and not having a job for that long. That is crazy. And that's so dope because a lot of artists get, you know, a lot of artists get, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Discouraged. Discouraged, right? But when they don't make the money, they feel like they want to make. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and you, what, what, what do you tell the people that's like, you know, I want to be an artist, but it's just not, something ain't clicking and, and, and I want to be full time. Right. If you want to be full time, you have to have the business acumen to be able to make that transition. It's not just about getting better and better at your craft. There's a lot of rappers who are more talented than your favorite rapper right now. More talented than Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, Lil Baby. But trust and believe they just didn't have the business acumen to showcase their talent properly. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing I would tell. I went to school for business. So not only am I a rapper, but I got a whole business degree. I was a marketing major. So it makes sense that I would know the importance of needing to market yourself. I went to college. I paid bands for this degree. You know what I mean? Thanks. So with that being said, bro, I would also tell people this. You have to have a lane that is going to be like if you're on the highway right now and if you see that every lane is crowded and it's a big traffic jam, you got to ask yourself, am I going to figure out how to maneuver around that traffic jam or am I willing to put in the work to pave a new lane and carve out a new lane that doesn't currently exist? That's what I chose to do. Right. I come from New Orleans, Louisiana. We are known for gangster rap. No Limit Records, Cash Money Records, Kevin Gates, NBA Youngboy, Lil Boosie, you heard me? That's Louisiana when you think of it. So when D1 comes along, 
Like, man, I'm a college graduate. I was a middle school teacher. My motto is be real, be righteous, be relevant. That's totally, I'm a man of God. I'm proud to say I'm a Christian, all this stuff. That's the antithesis of what my state is known as. You know what I mean? Mm. So I had to make the decision, if I'm going to be different and if I'm going to stand on all 10 saying this is who I am, I got to be willing to pave that that road and, and carve out that that land for myself. When you do it like that, it's harder and it may take longer, but it also lasts forever. Mm -hmm. I'm here forever. You build a true foundation. Do you feel, and then even with that statement being said, do you feel like because of the type of foundation you have and you being so um, well-structured in your education that that had a lot to do with, you know, like, you not taking certain contracts because you were knowledgeable and you would read? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Yeah, I was looking in my, in my Gmail account the other day, and I was like, wow, the first record deal I ever got offered, I looked back, and I think I got offered a deal in 2008, right? And I was looking, and I was like, wow, I have never been desperate because that, that, that email, I didn't even reply to it. You know, and it was a real record deal that got offered to me. But when I actually clicked on it and looked at the contract, I was like, this some BS right here. <laughs> like, this is this. Like, this that was some, one of the ones they talk about. Yeah, this some BS right here. So even back then, 15 years ago, you know what I mean? Me just starting out being a young man, I'm just like, nah, this ain't, this ain't reflective of my worth and my value. Fast forward to a few years later and me getting a record deal offer from Cash Money. Mm -hmm. Now, these my childhood that's you know, crazy. Hero. Hometown, too. Hometown, you know. So, yeah, me sitting there, being able to be in talks with them and getting offered a deal and still being able to look and say, this ain't it, man. This ain't right. Not to say I need a million dollars. It ain't even necessarily about the money that's being offered. It's like, if I'm going to sign this deal, number one, I got to be making more than what I'm making at my job right now. Yeah. Because I had a job. I was a teacher. I was a middle school teacher, you know. With that being said, if I if I get a deal, some people get excited with a ten thousand dollar advance. This ad is brought to you by Capital Gains. What's going on, y'all? It's directed here, Peter Parker, and my course, Guerrilla Filmmaker, is finally here. They said you need film school to become a successful director. They used to laugh at me when I carried a picture of my dream camera in my pocket. They talked about the way I dressed because I invested all my money in the camera equipment instead of clothes. And now, they call me Peter Parker, the director of the year. I know, I've been promising y'all for a long time now, year after year, but I've been working very hard on this course, perfecting it, so you guys get the most value out of it, right? I mean, listen, I've packed this with so many videos, so much content that you have to win, right? It's a must, must, must buy course. And if you get it right now, it's just half off. Let me tell you what's involved, right? It's like, if you first get your camera, 
and you're ready to start making money, I'm gonna show you how to make some money. This course is not just about technical skills, but yeah, we're gonna get busy. We're gonna show you what cameras to buy and, and how to get the best quality out your camera, but it's really about increasing your income and 10X in your company. Are you ready to take not only your videography skills to the next level, but actually make a company and actually start scaling your company to make more money? Gorilla Filmmaker is the course for you. I promise you, I've waited this long on purpose to give y'all the greatest course I could possibly give. So make sure y'all tap in, click the link in the bio, and join the Gorilla Filmmaker family. Oh, $15,000 advance. That'll be gone in two months. If two you, weeks. That's if you can manage. That's, that's if you being good. <laughs> that, that two months is if you being good. Correct. So my, my motto was, man, if my advance ain't even more than my salary as a teacher, then I'm good on that. Because I, I didn't seen that kind of money before. So what I'm seeing on a paper, that ain't, like, I see that on my pay stubs, yeah. you know, from my job. So it at least got to be more than what I'm making as a teacher. At the time, I was making $39,000 a year as a teacher. Not much. Not much at all. You know, that was, after taxes, that was $1,100 every two weeks, you know. Mm. But what I was doing was planting seeds with the youth that I know would make this world a better place. I was making impact every day, and I was like, dang, this feel better than just making a bunch of money. I got friends who went to law school, and when they get out, they're making 130 a year. They're making 150 racks a year, fresh out of law school. But they calling me every day, man, I hate, I hate my job, man. I'm, I'm investment bankers. Man, I feel like a slave. I'm over here clocking all these hours. I'm hearing this, you know? Meanwhile, I'm making a meager 39 racks a year as a teacher. But I'm knowing, like, dang, I'm, I'm making a difference. Like, I can see the light bulb going off in my students' head when I'm teaching them math and I'm teaching them life skills that they ain't hearing from nobody else that look like them, that act like them, you know? So for me, rapping wasn't coming from a place of desperation. Rapping was coming from a place of elevation, meaning, like, I still want to be a teacher, but I just want to have a bigger platform. Who going to have a bigger platform, Mr. Augustine or D1? Mm -hmm. right. If D1 makes it, D1 is going to have a bigger platform. Here we are years later. You see the platform that D1 has. You can look at the followers, the people that's coming to the shows, the millions and millions of streams that my catalog has online. So I thought about all this way back then. Like, I, I knew. I was like, I want to do the same thing I'm doing in this classroom, but just as a rapper. Because then I, I won't have any limitations on what I could talk about and what I could say. If I kept it real raw in that classroom, I'd have lost my job. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's the way it works. And like even on the um the teacher in comparison to the artist aspect, I know like when I was in college, I used to listen to Asher Roth. I know he was a teacher and then um he blew up in rapping. Also Hakeem Green, um, from Madism. He also used to be a middle school teacher as well. And then his situation was very similar to yours. He actually um expressed that the label that offered him a deal, they wanted him to rap about drugs and guns and stuff and gang rap and stuff. And if you ever met Hakeem, that's not what he about. Mm. So he literally, like, respectfully declined. And, you know, like, sometimes making that decision making be the reason why you you never get into that monetary bracket that you desire because, you know, like, a label can blackball you just like that. Mm. Blackball. But, Let's see. I had to ask myself a while ago... Um, would I be okay with never going platinum? And I thought about it, and I was like, I do want to go platinum, but I want to go platinum in heaven. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Meaning, like, my riches that I'm storing up, it's not just down here, you know? I ain't never had a problem 
being cool. I was the homecoming king in high school. I'm the captain of the basketball team. Never had a problem getting girls or anything like that. The things that people often be like, that's why I got to get rich so that I could be popular, so that I could get somebody that, that look good. Mm -hmm. da, 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 da. I never had a so that I could, you mm -hmm. know? So for me, it was just like, yeah, if I get there, cool. But if I don't get there, man, I was raised by a family that never had a lot of money, but Man, they're rich when it comes to character. They're rich when it comes to reputation. You know, if you got if you got riches because of your reputation, but then I take my intellect and I say, oh, I'm going to use my net worth. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to use my network and I'm going to allow my network to help multiply my net worth. Mm -hmm. I have I have business deals right now to where it's like, yo, I'm not an expert at this or at this or at real estate, but I'm in it. Yeah. Because of the people that I know and the people that I'm aligned with, you know, and that ain't them people rocking with me because I'm D1. I don't even talk about my investments publicly. You know what I'm saying? I don't even talk about that stuff publicly, but that's people rocking with me because of my character. They're not like, well, D, I will put you on to this play, but you ain't never went platinum. You know, I'm going to put Lil Wayne on to this play instead. I got people that come up to me and be like, D, I see your commitment to the community and to our youth and to serving God for your whole adult life. You know what I mean? If you're trying to get off into this, this is legit. This is how this goes. You know, I'd be glad to open that door for you. Yeah, and I know the state, of, um, the state of Louisiana, I believe it was the Senate, they recognized you for your work out there as well. Yeah, they did. Yep, they sure did. So shout out to the Senate of Louisiana. <laughs> uh, they officially gave me a resolution, resolution number 181. They, gave, they, did, they did so much research on me that it's like this three-page open-up, you know, proclamation that they made to me. And... I, I promise you, bro, I feel like they wrote down every single thing I've ever accomplished. I was like, how did y'all find? I, I forgot about some of this stuff, you know, and they recognized me on the floor of the Senate. Then I went back, and the House of Representatives did the same thing. I just ain't even post that content yet, you know what I'm saying? So I'm thankful that my state is recognizing me. They recognized me, and the only other rapper that they recognized was Juvenile, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? They did him recently. Now, you, lo you look at, like, oh, Juvenile, yeah, he... He a legend. I mean, he got all these platinum albums and da-da-da. And somebody might look at D1 and be like, but I don't get it. Like, it don't equate. No, it does equate. You know what I'm saying? It does equate. Because we both have made impact. Some people make impact in the old era of music, and they're selling platinum albums and all that. Nowadays, man, my catalog got so many millions of streams, number one. Just because I never had one song or one album to go platinum, that don't mean I'm not platinum on the level of making impact. You feel mm, me? Right. Like that's that's what I'm proud of, bro. I, I look at you know I look at all the people who I used to look up to, and we call a lot of people legends in hip hop, and I had to stop doing that because I'm like, we calling you a legend, a legend of what? A legend of glorifying uh, murder and drug dealing in our community? A legend of misogynistic behavior towards our women? Legends? Idols like nah, heroes. We, we nah. gotta invite bro back for the um, rap Mount Rushmore episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he destroyed all our rap Mount Rushmore. Oh yeah, yeah, but 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 here but but here's the no. But I, but I, who but I, who on yours? Will Smith. Okay, <laughs> hey, hey, one, of the most, hey, one of the most influential albums of my whole lifetime was Big Willie style album. Uh, that's, I'm when trying. That album came, first of all, it had hits on it. You heard me, Miami, uh, getting jiggy with it. Just hey. the two of us. And then the next one was Millennium. Millennium, bro. Oh, 
All right, so so he on your Mount Rushmore. All right. All right. Hey, hey, I like this guy. I like this guy. But but real talk though, I'm just here to be like, I think I'm just here to shatter all of the um the egos and the complacent mindsets that exist in hip hop that make us look at things a certain way. And because of that, I wish like I would I would look Pusha T in his face right now and be like, bro, you can rap. And I'm real cool with your brother. You hear I me? Mean? I'm real cool with your brother, Push. But look what you have chosen to glorify, like, your whole career. And I got to say it because you brought him up. Push makes it to my rap, Mount Rushmore. Mm. So, See? That's, that's like, why he was yeah. laughing. But, but watch this. I, I also understand, bro, you know how many of these debates I've had with my friends about our top five and, hey, who... Who, who had a doper career, Jeezy or Ross? Like, I got text mm. threads right now to where we going back and forth about that, and we talking about Lil Wayne, you know, versus this artist and da-da-da. And that's, that's if we're talking about just the art of rap, you know? Mm. But if we're talking about, like, real Overall, life, like some... Making impact. 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 And not even impact, because you can make negative impact. Yeah. True. We need to have a Mount Rushmore of negative impact. <laughs> yes. Valid point. Valid Let's point. have that Mount Rushmore. You feel me? But, but if we're really talking about, yo, what type of difference has, has people made? There's this concept called cognitive dissonance. Yeah. To where the whole rap game and the fans and the artists are blinded in a state of cognitive dissonance. To where we are fans of creating and consuming content that deep down inside we know Man, it's the worst stuff in the world to be glorifying. I concur. And I did I did a rap about cognitive dissonance. I did a rap. This rap is going super viral right now. Oh, we got to hear it. I want to spit it. Ooh, oh, let's, let's do it. Go. Yeah, let's go. I said, people don't want that real. They just say that they do. Now, nah, people don't want that real. And I'm one of them, too. I'm so easily entertained by ratchet activity. Violent negative imagery always seem to interest me. I tell myself, no more music glorifying evil. Selling drugs, womanizing, killing our people. Then I hear a song with a tight beat and can't deny it. The hook is catchy, so I subconsciously memorize it. Next thing you know, I'm reciting all the lyrics. And my day don't feel complete unless I hear it. Inviting darkness in my spirit. This can't be light. I'm craving what I'm supposed to be fighting. This can't be right. I must be blind to the effects. This can't be sight. Death is in the power of the tongue, and this can't be life. Be careful what you get involved with, because you can't support a cause, but then hate the effects that it causes. Mm. People don't mm. want that real. Doctor in the Yes. People and, don't want that real. And you know what's dope, bro? I, I really do appreciate the balance that you bring, you know, especially in our relationship, because, you know, um, Sometimes I do listen to a lot of like rap music, and, and it does influence my day. If I start my day off with, you know, some little Dirk or something like that, you know, I, and I'm pro, I'm pro protecting the family with the Second Amendment, which is carrying guns. He's pro guns. Oh, yeah, I, saw, I, saw guns. I saw it last night. I saw it. I saw it last night. I'm super pro guns. I got a whole. I was gun with him last night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, but we're gonna yeah. be safe though, and, and I'm not like a reckless person when it comes to it. I'm very responsible. But um, the music that you listen to definitely impacts like you know, how you go about your day, right? And how you think about certain things. And PTSD also from being from the trenches, that plays in a part too. So if we filling ourselves up with certain type of music, our brain is just going in a certain direction. So when you have a, a person like yourself, um, and I listen to your music and, and it really just balances me out. And, and just us having a conversation always reminds me, damn, you know what? 
what are you listening to when you wake up? What are you filling your body and your soul with? You know what I mean? And, and I appreciate you on that level because all of us um, need that balance in, in friendships and relationships and, and everything. You feel what I'm saying? Yes, sir. And I'm here to restore that balance. That's all. I'm not here to down talk anybody, but I'm also not afraid to talk directly to anybody. Even the people who we look at as heroes and legends and all that, it's just like, I will not be here one day. I'm going to be dead one day. With that being said, since I am here and since I am finally mentally liberated and not afraid of speaking on what I know is right deep down inside, I have to. I can't be any other way. If you choose not to listen or not to say, okay, I'm going to convert my, uh, my consumption habits or what I create, you know, in terms of rap music, that's on you. But I can't not speak on it. I have the voice, I have the platform, and I have the awareness. I got to speak on it. And I if feel it, like that's what makes yeah. you you, bro. Yeah, and if it offends people, then that's okay. Ain't nothing wrong with a little love, tough love, you heard me? 100%. I still love you. I tell any artist, I tell any fan, whatever, even myself, I got to be, I got to have grace with myself because I have a taste for the music that I know deep down is not healthy for us. Mm. But I have a taste for it because I grew up listening to it. Somebody like Will Smith was the only person that was like an alternative when I was growing up that it was like, dang, this still like jamming. Like, I feel this. And it's rap. Like, okay. And, and it's not it's not The Block Is High by Lil Wayne. You know, it's not me going and saying, oh, it's, it's Rough Riders, it's Rockefeller, it's, it's all that stuff. So getting, you know, getting grown, like, I signed to a record label at one time. When I signed to RCA Records and I finally got the major label behind me and all that stuff, I realized that those people are not devil worshipers. They're capitalists. Mm -hmm. So they're going to just get behind whatever is going to make money to keep the lights on in their household and at their record label. So that's where I realized, man, if you come up with something different, it's not that they're opposed to something real righteous and relevant, but you just got to show that there's a demand for it. And that be the hard part is like how you show that there's a demand for what you do when you're going up against OT Genesis, when you're going up against ASAP Rocky, ASAP Ferg, G Easy in the building. These people that signed to the same label as me, when you're going up against Future, you know what I'm saying? It's like you got to show that. So now it's like, dang, how do you do that? Do you have a squad of people that are like, hey, bro, we down to take what you're doing and help. Just maximize it. Like, we just want to be the Phil Jacksons of your situation. You could be Michael Jordan putting up points on your own, and you could be Allen Iverson, but is that Phil Jackson going to come along to say, man, I'm actually going to cultivate this raw, organic talent that you have and cultivate you averaging 30 points a night into getting it seen in its proper light to where them 30 points a night now turn into a championship ring. 100%. Wait wait a minute. That was deep. Wow. That was really good. I do have a question for you, though. Um, when you made David and Goliath, that was in 09, right? Yeah. What was the mindset like? Who was like, who was your influence at that time when you made your initial album? Yeah, when I made that album, the influence was uh, Frederick Givens. Y'all know him as Fred O'Bang. Mm-hmm. The influence was uh, Lester Scott. The world knows him as Joe Scott. My influence was uh, TEC, uh, huge rapper who y'all might know. My influence was uh, all my students. I was a teacher at that time. So that was my influence. I'm teaching middle schoolers every day, and I'm realizing that, like, dang, this whole music industry is like Goliath. 
straight up. This whole music industry is like this big insurmountable giant to where there's the glorification of all the things that's wrong with this world. The glorification of drugs, violence, um, sexual abuse, um, just ignorance being glorified, you know, like all this stuff. And I was like, dang, I got to be David and go against this industry. And I got to be the person that is not afraid to navigate the waters of, of this, this industry, but who can ultimately know what his slingshot is to defeat this Goliath that we call the music industry. And for me, defeating it didn't mean to overthrow it. It meant to be able to be in it and be a factor and be a, 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 a power player, but not be of it. You know what I mean? So I didn't want it to suck me in to where I watered down my message, but I wanted to be able to get in it and be like, man, I'm not afraid to go against y'all. And that was 15 years ago. So that was the mindset. I used to go teach every day, and then I would come home, and whatever happened that day in class that inspired me, I would go write a song about it. So my first hit song was called J50 and Wheezy. That song is on that album. I'm calling out Jay-Z, 50 Cent, and Lil Wayne and challenging them to be more responsible and more proactive with how they're using their platform and trying to use it for something good, you know? It wasn't a diss song towards them, but it was a very direct, real song holding them accountable for what they're doing. That song was inspired by seeing one of my t students, middle schooler, get a tattoo that said M.O.B. on it. Y'all know what M.O.B. stands for, mm -hmm. money over, you know what I'm saying? And I said, bro, who made you get that tattoo, man? Like, what, what, what's up with you? He was like, I, I don't even know what it means. I was like, what? You don't know what that stands for? He said, no, sir. I said, well, why you got it? He said, because Lil Wayne has that tattoo. Mm -hmm. And that was his wow. favorite rapper. Influence. And it's crazy how strong it is. Um, do you feel, this is a, like a multi-layered question. Do you ever see yourself possibly dealing in politics? No, because politics will feel like going back into the classroom to where, yes, overall, you can have a good heart when you go in there, but there are so many constraints that you will get, you know, bombarded with that will try to box in and, and, and cloud your ability to have a pure heart and make bold impact. I see politics being that way. I see teaching in the classroom as being that way. So I'm just like, let me just be a street politician. Do you see music being that way? And with with that question, do you see it being a pivotal point? This ad is brought to you by Capital Gains. Peace, everyone. It is the Prince of Hemp, DJ Bay, and I am here to give you good news. We have finally launched our mastermind. Go to DJBayMastermind.com and you can see all of our exclusive content from podcasts with Karis, One, Hakeem Green. And we have ebooks, education material, documents, anything that you need in order to increase your wealth in order so you know how you better scale your business model. Make sure you join today. Peace. Do you see it being a pivotal point where the type of music that you make will become more in demand versus, you know, the things since, you know, like the mid 90s that started getting glorified the yeah. drugs the gang culture yes yeah my goal is definitely for me to be at the forefront of inspiring other people to be themselves and be authentic that's my word bro if i can inspire you to just be who you authentically are and knowing that there is a lane for that and you can make it successfully in the music industry by being authentic then i've done my job because that's all i'm here to do and I haven't been denied. Like, I don't know, man. Like, here, all right, true story, um, transparent moment. There's many nights where 
see, there's different groups of people that you could reach, right? There's the people who already got their mind right for the most part. And they got a nice professional job and they may come from a two-parent household or they're college educated and they're doing well. They still got their struggles, but they need a soundtrack for their lifestyle. Or it's that student that's in college right now that's taking out loans and they just need something to help push them over the top to get through. You know what I mean? Sometimes my music or my whole mission, vision, movement can be meant for that type of person, right? And that's a lot of the people that I reach. Somebody that's in church already, they got a relationship with God, but they're still struggling with their own vices and they still dibble and dabble with, you know, some some temptations that they deal with, which I still got temptations that I struggle with on a daily basis that I, you know, I got to ask for forgiveness for and that I'm in real time still dealing with. Like, that's a that's just a fact about me. Sometimes it could be like, oh, I'm here to help them, be a voice for them. But when I think about the this other category, right, I think about the people who, they're on the verge of committing suicide, man. They, they from them trenches that we talk about so often. And I really want to reach them, right? Because I'm from that, I also know oftentimes what it takes to really get their attention. And sometimes, bro, I sit back like, should I flex more? Should I stunt more? Do I need to make a big announcement to say, guess what, y'all? Guess what I got? Or guess what? Or, or let me, do I need to go make a purchase just because I know that purchase, that <laughs> car is, is gone? And, and I struggle with that a lot of times, bro. Um, because it's like if I want to reach them, is that what I have to do? And I've almost done it a bunch of times in my career. But then I always come back to Jesus I ain't do that. You know what I'm saying? And I think about that. I think about who I, who I look up to. And I think about like, dang, at the end of the day, when your energy and when your message is something that's so relatable and so, you know, raw and authentic, like the people that's supposed to, you know, catch up with it, they're going to, you know, they're going to find out. And I think about the Internet and social media connects us all. So, like, pass that to my man for me. Like, that's a couple of days ago. You know what I'm saying? That's him reaching out to me. You heard me? Yeah. Like, that's stuff that I'm like, oh, I ain't have to buy a, 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 a Bugatti or a Maybach for these people to notice. You know what I'm saying? This yeah. Kodak Black, by the way. When Shaquille O'Neal is reposting my, my video that I did in the hotel pool yesterday, rapping to that song we played, My Happy, and Shaquille O'Neal reposting it. That ain't based on I got a big diamond chain that's, that's you know, 40 pounds on my neck. So it's that that makes me say, nah, I guess I don't need to do that. Arguably, that stuff is going to get people's attention and whatnot. But I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, bro. And I ain't got enough fingers to count my friends who done been murdered. Mm-hmm. And I had a gun held to my head at gunpoint before, you know what I'm saying, in college, like armed robbery, like that type of energy. So because of my proximity to death and to guns and violence, I also think about the other side of that shining. You went to school in Louisiana too, right? I did. I went to LSU. Mm-hmm. You know, so, man, you got LSU, this big, beautiful campus, but right next to right trenches. next to campus, you got the trenches. You got the South. When Boosie, when Lil Boosie talk about he from the South and he from the bottom and, and all that stuff, that's right next door. You could throw a rock and, and you in South Baton Rouge versus LSU's campus. So when I'm in college, you know, I got some people from, from, from around that way that come pull up on me and my partner. And next thing you know, I'm sitting there with a gun held to my temple and I'm sitting there on my hands like this. And 
I'm just like, damn, bro. I, I'm thinking in my head like I'm really about to die like this. I, I ain't think it was gonna happen. So, uh, uh, that make me not want. That make me not wanna like. I don't care about being flashy because for every one person that's impressed with your flash, you got three people in the trenches that's like. Oh, I'm, I'm plotting, I'm scheming, I'm jealous, and I'm hurting at the end of the day. Like, I'm I'm hurting. They Why would I be happy when you roll up? Yeah, with, with all this. Yeah. I'm literally hurting right now. So that has never really appealed to me. I still think about it sometimes. But, D, hold on real quick. I do want to say, though, right, I do think sometimes people get confused because we live, we do live in a world where we, we, we see, we, we only believe what we see, right? And, you know, I personally know you, so I know the things that you're doing every day, and I know the accomplishments, and you're very, very humble. But, you know, as I tell you most of the time, sometimes, you know, as long as you you come in with love, sometimes you got to show them a little something. Only because, in my opinion, sometimes when you show them a little something, it gives them hope like, well, I could be like D12 and still have the things that, my favorite rapper has, you know what I mean? Like, I, I know you won't talk about it, but we, we just shot a video the other day and you had, you know, $150,000, $200,000 car out there. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I know you don't glorify that, but right. sometimes that same kid in the trenches, you know, needs that to be like, okay, if I go D1 route, I could still have a car. I could still have, you know, uh, the beautiful woman. I could still have, you know what I mean? The chain that I want, mm. you know what I mean? And mm. so that's why... I always try to, you know, get you to look at the balance of it, too, because those same kids that glorify those guys for that, if we put that same uniform on, you know, they would still look at it like, okay, I got a choice now. Mm. I can still be cool, quote unquote, you know, and I still look the way I want to look, but I don't have to talk about those things. I feel like that transition to come when the label starts backing his type of music the same way that they're backing the futures and everything else. But like how he said, there has you know this is all about supply and demand. It's economic, so the demand has to be in front of it. And you know, like today, social media is a big component of that. So you know, like going viral is probably going to be one of the most beneficial components in being able to have labels backing you, so they can start incentivizing and looking for more artists who make clean music. Mm. But also, you got to remember though, bro. Like for example, if I pull up. If I'm speaking on, let's say I'm speaking on business, right? If I pull up in a 98 Corolla, I can have a $2 million in my account. 95% of people won't listen to me. It just is wow. what it is. When I pull up in that Rolls Royce, whether I bought it or I rented it, I'm going to get the ears. So my thing is, in a society where we glorify sex, murder, drugs, all these things, right? In order to get into the people, you got to look like the people. So sometimes I feel what like... I say, the people don't look like... This? No, or what you or what the people inspire to be. We talk mm. about trenches, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so what they inspire you, to so, be. So what I'm saying is if you come in there, I ain't saying you gotta go super crazy with it, but mm. say you go and, and you got your chain on, whatever, they automatically identify yeah. what they feel like success is. Then when you open your mouth, you already have their attention and now you able to pour into them. That's just, you know, one of my lives. So so one three things I say. One is the same way you said I balance you, you balance me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When you say that type of stuff and when and when we work together, cause we got some amazing yeah, work coming out. We about to like kill amazing. <laughs> like literally, like we about to win championships together. You know what I mean? Hey. Like like when LeBron said not one, not two, not three, not four, you know what I mean? When he came and played for the Miami Heat and he was like, yo. Because he knew what he had next to him. Mm. He knew the teammates that he had next to him. He was like, I know I'm a dog. Can't nobody mess with me. Then y'all gonna put me next to 
uh, D-Wade, then y'all gonna give me Chris Bosh? Like, they already knew what time it was. So we about to be doing that together, which is already crazy and game-changing. But also, you balance me to where sometimes I'll be like, dang, maybe that would help uh, some more people initially pay attention. Because you only got three seconds to catch their attention because yeah. they scrolling, you know what I'm saying? And, okay, maybe that'll catch their attention. At the same time, I'm a teacher at the core. I'm never going to be bummy. You know what I'm saying? That's one thing about me. I never, ever, 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 ever be bummy. Like, that's just not how I am. But I'll be the dude that'll be like, let's roll up in the Corolla and the uh, the Rolls Royce and be like, I want to show y'all something today. I rolled up in a, in a Toyota Corolla or a Honda Accord, because that's what I drive. I drive a Honda Accord. I rolled up in a Honda Accord. It ain't bummy. It ain't dirty, nasty, nothing like that. It's a nice car. But uh, I got, and if we just made up a number, I got da 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 amount of money. You know what I'm saying? These many M's, you know, in the bank account. Meanwhile, do y'all know that this person who rolled up in this today, this is rented. They don't own this. And their net worth, like what they have in their bank account right now is $6,000. Let's talk about what $6,000 can get you and how quick that'll, you know, go. Which one would you rather have? And when you, when you, when you, illustrate something the right way then people are like oh wow like you just blew my mind you made it visual for me and you know what okay i rather i rather that then it's like hey nothing is wrong with this type of car if a that stuff matters to you you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. i'm not a car person so even if i do become a billionaire i'm still gonna drive a honda accord question as far as um I went to private school. I went to a bunch of different schools. I'm a military child. I've been able to see the education system in Detroit, in North Carolina, in Florida, all pretty all up and down the East Coast, and multiple other places. So, what is the difference between an LSU versus a Harvard? Mm. <laughs> yeah, thankfully I've been able to um, be at both schools. Of course, I was at LSU paying to go there. I'm getting paid to go to Harvard, so it's Ooh. different, you know, because yeah, I'm I'm not there different. as a student. Yeah, I'm there as a fellow, so I'm there teaching, mm. you know. I'm there doing research on the role hip-hop plays as a teaching tool in the black community, so it hits different. Man, with LSU, it's a state school. It's relatively cheap to go there, especially if you're from Louisiana, and you have a lot of, you have a lot of people who just go there because it's the next thing to do after high school. They have no plan for their life, and their parents were just like, here, we're going to pay those racks for you to go to school. Go make something of yourself. If you don't have a vision for yourself, you will never be fulfilled, and you'll never be successful in life. Those are the people that usually drop out of school because that passion that they had that first semester because they're in a new environment. They're like, wow, this new campus, new girls, you know, new this, new that. That gets old. So what happens after that gets old? If you didn't have a vision for yourself, you're not gonna do the coursework that's necessary to keep it uh, to keep it progressing. You're gonna drop out. The thing I realized about Harvard is the same exact thing. It's a different level, but it's the same devil. You got a lot of students who are just there because their parents or their grandparents went there, so they're legacy students. Mm -hmm. You know. A lot of students who go to Harvard, they're just like, man, I'm just here to check off this box so my family is happy. So now when that workload hits you, that moment of truth is, am I really going to do this schoolwork? 
Yeah, that, it get different. And, 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 and it hit different, bro, when you got all this, you know, high-intensity work being thrown at you. And deep down in your heart, you're like, man, I don't even want to be doing this. That's different. So at Harvard, I've had to counsel and mentor a lot of students who really don't understand what their purpose is beyond just their job. They feel like, dang, Harvard is a breeding ground for just kind of pushing us out to society to have this H, this name, Harvard, stamped to us, and that's going to automatically get us a good job, but they have no sense of who they really are, and they feel miserable on the inside. Mm. A lot of students I've had to help counsel and get up out of depression, students who want to just drop out, and students who honestly don't know like why they're in school, but they're there. That's a that's a crazy paradigm to be in, like because you know you have to, at one point you know you know you know what seventeen eighteen is like for a lot of us you know some of us you on your way out the house you don't want to be in the house no more but you know I got to start preparing for life mm-hmm. but then life hit quick when you on campus by yourself and if you got certain things you got to figure out where groceries coming from mm. calf clothes at a certain time mm. you know books got cost it's not the same for everybody everybody mm. ain't getting scholarships everybody don't got everybody not trust fund babies mm. so you know and then just like even just the struggles of everybody's not a true intellect so just sitting there going through the day-to-day with the schoolwork that is stressful it's multi-levels of one stress. thing about harvard harvard is like the hunger games because everybody at Harvard is competing for that internship. They're competing for that job. And there's only limited slots. So even if y'all all go to Harvard and it's 100 of y'all, they only got 20 open positions for that internship. So I done seen friends not tell their friend that they go and apply for that internship because they don't want their friend to be like, oh, that's an internship? Oh, I'm going to apply too because they want to make sure they get it over their friend. I done seen the dog-eat-dog nature of the competition at Harvard University. And that makes for a very dark and lonely journey for a lot of students as they're at Harvard. And they're trying to matriculate and elevate and realize what's next. Man, I'm so blessed that I'm at Harvard, but I'm like, Man, this is not even my main thing that I do. You know what I'm saying? I got my whole life over here. I got my peace that comes from over here. My income, my my status, my everything comes from over here. Harvard is just like, like I got my ice cream cone over here. Man, Harvard is just a cherry on top for me. Mm. For some of these students, Harvard is their ice cream cone. It's the plate. It's the, uh, it's the, you know, it's the cardboard it's that the pint comes in. It's the ice cream scooper. It's everything. That's dangerous. That's dangerous when your self-worth is that intricately tied into a school name or a record label name. Yeah, and one of my, one of the, my favorite songs, I actually had added it to one of my playlists on um, YouTube. It was Ryan Leslie when he was doing the development for Addicted with, um, you know, Cassie. And, like, I've seen fam, you know, he's a Harvard graduate. And you look at what he's been able to do, but, you know, like, he's just, he's a gifted brain. So you can't even attribute everything to the school name for somebody like Ryan Leslie. But, you know, it was beneficial. Yes. I'm, look, I got an album coming out uh, this fall. It's called From the Hood to Harvard. Mm. And it talks about my journey And I need to do a documentary to go with the album I need to really build that sucker out And take people on that journey From the goose, you heard me The east side of New Orleans Where if you google the goose New Orleans right now The first thing gonna come up is the CNN story To tell you that it is the murder capital And it's a war zone down there That's where I'm from, 6601 Dwyer Road And to take it from the hood To Harvard I had to make an album about it 
I had to. And I did the album in my office on Harvard's campus. You know, and I was recording myself with my iPhone, uh, like showing me in my office with my studio set up and, and, and knocking these songs out. And it's like, man, because of hip hop, I was able to take it from the hood to Harvard. Mm. I can't wait to put that album out. That ain't, that, that ain't even going to come out till like the fall, till like October. I got an album coming out even before that. Yeah, I'm about to say, tell us, well, before that, you know, when you said the album at Harvard, you know, instantly, I, and I'm a cannabis enthusiast, instantly, Method Man Red Man, how high vibes. That's instantly what I got. I'm like, I would love to see some some video stuff along them lines. It'll make me feel real nostalgic. That's just me personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, um, please tell us about your new projects that's coming out. You, I know you told us that it is, you know, I know you got an album. Yeah. And you got something else that's, you know, for the youth. Yeah, I got my 10th album coming out. So the yeah. album is called Ten? Uno, album wow. number 10. Tenth album. That's that's real. It's called Uno. My diehard fans know Uno. That's my nickname. You know, D One. Oh, Uno. What up, Uno? Bam. But Uno is an acronym for this album. It stands for Underdogs and Outcasts. Mm. That's who the album is dedicated to. All the underdogs and the outcasts in this world. So this album is full of anthems for the underdogs and outcasts. That's dropping in August. Along with the album, it's gonna be my first debut well my official debut as an author my children's book is coming out the children's book is called david found his slingshot and it's an anti-bullying book about myself true story young david in kindergarten getting bullied by somebody a bigger kid on the playground right it's just like the story of david and goliath david found his slingshot he used his slingshot to defeat goliath in my book I found my slingshot too to defeat the bully, but it wasn't a slingshot. You got to read the book. To yeah, see I was about to say, don't give him too much. Don't give him too much. I was wondering. I'm like, is he gonna say it? Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. That, that's dropping. That's dropping August first. So I'm excited to put this book out, anti-bullying book. Um, really, really, that was inspired by my time at Harvard as well. I wrote the whole book uh, during my first year at Harvard. So shout out to Harvard. I, I think I got on that campus, and for the first 24 hours, I had imposter syndrome. I was really feeling like, am I smart enough to be here? Wow. This Harvard, man, do I belong here, man? I know where I'm from. I still got people calling me from jail while I'm moving in my office and stuff like that. Like, do I even belong here? I had imposter syndrome for like 24 hours. Then when I met the other people in my fellowship and I actually interacted with human beings on that campus, Man, I belong here, man. I'm just as smart as these people, man. Everybody on the same I was getting, I was with my dog Lupe Fiasco. Shout out to my brother Lupe. He's at MIT, you know, and I'm at Harvard. So he teaching at MIT. I'm doing my fellowship, doing my thing at Harvard. First night we linked up. We at this uh, spot on Harvard's campus eating hamburgers. And a, a little dude walked by. I swear I was just about to ask you what's the food like up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't quit your day job, bro. <laughs> like, like, nah, bro. Don't, don't come up there for the food. <laughs> so I'm eating, eating a burger. Me and Lupe, we just chopping it up. Like, man, this year gonna be amazing, bro. Like, me and Lupe, it kind of felt like Red Man and Method Man with how high, except neither one of us smoke. But that whole last year together, it was like, bro, we five minutes apart. MIT's campus and Harvard's campus, five minutes apart, and we up here sharing these experiences. And I kept my phone out all year. 
And I just, I was, I was telling him like, hey, bro, I'm not posting this on social media. This is just for the documentary. And he was cool with it. Like we would be together so much, whether we ciphering and freestyling, whether I'm teaching in his class, whether he on, on my campus teaching, uh, doing something. And we got so much footage that it's a fire documentary, I know, between me and Lupe Fiasco for this past year. I say all that to say that um, a dude walked by the first night and he looked through the glass windows of the burger joint and he pointed in there and he was like, D1? And I was like, yeah, what's up? And he was like, yo. And dude came, walked inside and came, dapped me off and hollered at me. He's like, bro, I'm a huge fan, man. Like, what you doing here at Harvard? And once I realized, like, man, I got fans here. And I got people here that are just normal. You know, I'm sitting there talking. That imposter syndrome went out the window. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm about to turn up this year. Because I, I feel comfortable being myself. I don't feel like I got to conform to become what Harvard wants. So let, let's talk about this imposter syndrome. Because I, I feel like a lot of a lot of us, you know, uh, suffer from it in some way. Because the thing is, when branding is so well done, um, there's like a mystery to certain things like, you know, certain rappers that we might look up to or certain people we look up to. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Certain people I go into business with, right? That I'm thinking that they're, you know, just because of their name, they have such a greater intellect than me or they know so much. And then when I'm doing business, I'm like, wait a minute, you asking me for the answers? You got to hit them oh, with so the you? mic apps. You're like, that nigga don't act like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like you really, you really realize like these people are just regular people. And some of us just already have God's gift. And when you got God's gift, you got to walk in that. You get what I'm saying? Because just because they already have a certain amount of money or a certain name to it, mm -hmm. don't mean that you're not that. The only difference between you and them is what's in the bank account. Mm. So let's just turn that up. And you don't even know if what's right. in their yeah, bank right. account is what you think it is. But it's just the perception. Bro, I literally had somebody tell me when I met him, he was he literally told me on his own mouth. I'm meeting him. I came down here to his event and stuff, and we I'm end up after being at the event. I'm like, uh, one of my people, one of my secretaries swing over there and they're like, well, we got this and this going on. He's like, all right, well, let's set up a meeting. Fam, he drops a price point for the consultation. And then after I opened my mouth and started speaking to him, he was like, shit, you smarter than me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how much you charging to talk for 30 minutes to? I'm like, okay, one thing, my price got to go up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And two, I'm like, you can't charge me. Now I, I yeah. have the ability to charge you now. Yeah. yeah. Yo, I got of charges. What's up? I noticed one of the things that you do with your album to the consumer is you let them name their own price. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How, hey. how did that yeah. come about? Yeah. That was, that was, I loved that. Yeah. So my last album is called God and Girls 2, right? God and Girls Part 2. Uh, I put that out while I was at Harvard this past year, and just my brain was just spinning. I was like, yo, I want to do some different stuff. And a lot of people, you know, some people have said, man, you like the Nipsey Hustle in New Orleans. You know, I've heard people say that before. So you think of Nipsey, you think of the uh, Proud to Pay campaign that he had with his uh, fans. I think of uh, my man LaRussell, you yeah. know, and what he had been doing with, with that uh allowing fans to you know pay what they want for their stuff and i was like this ain't gonna work for everybody because some fa some some uh fans they feel like the artists already flex and stun on them and be like i got it already so i'm so rich and all that that if you hit them with some name your own price type stuff some fans will be like man forget you man like you you already there you know what i mean right i think that i exist in a space to where my fans be rooting for me to get there whatever there is so i was like because of that 
I'm about to go ahead on and do the name your own price uh, model for this album. And <laughs> I like that. Line. I'm about to say it <laughs> seemed like it went. That's a, it went well. Laugh. <laughs> seemed like they wanted wow. him to get there. <laughs> Yo, I had fans paying up to a thousand dollars for this album. Ooh, can we get some noise for that? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that studio applause right there. That's yeah. kind of awesome. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, That's major. Crazy. Yeah, and and keep in mind. Uh, D, let me ask you this. Yeah. I gotta ask because you seem so articulate as you're just conveying every thought in your head. Obviously, you're in Hartford, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Hear me? yeah no. All right. So my question to you is: You've worked with one of my favorite artists of all time, and when he talks, it's like you just lean in. I'm just imagining the conversation you and Killer Mike have had. I knew you was about to say that. <laughs> like, what is that conversation like? Because I'm just thinking in my head, like, I'd love to be a fly on the wall as you guys are having a conversation. Bro, my story is so dope that, like, people be, like, all bought into, like, wow, D, you're so interesting. And I'm like, y'all don't even know 90% of my story. What the world doesn't know is that I was signed to Grand Hustle, oh. Grand Hustle Management, right? Mm-hmm. This when, this when I first stopped teaching. My first situation was I signed to Grand Hustle. Jason Jeter was my manager, T.I.'s manager. He put me on my first tour. It was D1, Young Dro, Killer Mike, hey. and Pac Div, group out of L.A., right? So I met Killer Mike on tour. We in a tour bus, literally roommates. Like, we all got bunks on the tour bus. So those conversations, bro, this was back in 2011, those conversations were epic. I just remember Killer Mike sitting in the same spot every day on the bus, and I would just wake up early because he was always up, and he'd just be up and, and just either reading something or just ready to talk to somebody just to, you know, get off some game. And I was always a willing recipient, bro. I was, <laughs> I was right there just, just making conversation with Killer Mike just to hear those stories. He taught me how to navigate the game as an independent artist. This before he was even in Run the Jewels, you know what I'm saying? But he still was teaching me. I remember we was in Oklahoma City. He taught me how to get some extra money on the road. Like, yo, we on tour, and we ain't really getting paid that much. Y'all want to know the truth? I got paid $1,000 for that whole tour, and we did 28 shows. So you divide that. Look at her face. What? Yeah. Yeah, so that's how much I got paid, 1000 for the whole tour. And I had it my... made me itch a little. And I had my, I, had my, I had my homie with me. That was like my, my, my road dog, my, my, my road manager. Well, he got so eat too. I had to break him off. Yeah, you know so, so that being said, it don't be sweet. In rap, it's way easier to get popular than it is to get paid. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Killer Mike was showing me, like, look, D, you rolling with, you got the brand behind you. You got Grand Hustle right now. We on the road together. When we get to these cities, there's people that's going to want to do features. There's people that's going to be down to want to do things, man. Like, like you you got to you gotta take that step and you go ahead on and get you some feature money or get you some appear, some other appearance money while we in these cities. And I remember the first time it worked, I was like, dang, I just got $500 for a feature. That's what I had charged the, the people at the time at OKC, $500 for a feature. And at the time, I was like, that's like what I'm getting for half of this tour. <laughs> <laughs> I just made this in one hour. I was like, man, Killer Mike, that's my dog. So, 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 you know, bro, those convos are great. Me and him have been on Revolt TV together. We had an amazing segment together. Me, him, and Ninth Wonder on Revolt TV. That's on my Insta. Uh, no, that's on my YouTube channel. I posted a clip from that. We also got a song together. So if y'all rap fans, D1 featuring Killer Mike is called Never Clocking Out. And we got the video on YouTube. So- 
crazy. Let well, me ask you a question. Real we'll put the link below. So let me ask you a question. So, you know, we always like to, you know, we talk about, you know, the success and the great uh, accomplishments that God's been able to bless us with. But has there ever been a time where you really had to, like, get down and, and really pray, like, God, I need you to get me through this, man. This is this is, this is is hard. You know what I mean? Has there ever been times like that in this industry that you, you I ain't going to say almost not gave up, but, you know, just had that point where, like, God, I need you. I, I can't do it by myself. Three. The first one, I was in college, and I was interning at the radio station in town in Baton Rouge. And as I was interning, my whole game plan was, man, I'm going to intern here, but I'm really going to tell them once I get it, get in good with them, I'm going to tell them that I'm a rapper. I'm going to be able to get on my mixtape. I'm, now I'm cool with all the DJs, program director. I'll be able to get some spins, yada, yada, yada. And I remember the frustration I felt when I was just like, dang, my whole plan went well, and then I'm letting them hear the music, and they even saying that they're fans of the music, but something just ain't clicking and sticking because they're not giving me any play on the radio. And I remember the frustration I felt. That was me being a naive college student, not realizing that payola exists, not realizing that record labels have big budgets that they put into these records that's getting pay, played on radio. And I'm just so innocent and thinking, my music is good, and I'm friends with y'all. That should be enough to get played. And I remember driving uh, from the radio station one day, so frustrated that, man, like two tears slipped down my face. And I remember looking in my rearview mirror, and I was like, man, I'm sitting here crying, like behind my music not getting played. I was like, I must really love this 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 game in this industry but i don't want to be bringing a, a man to tears so i was like i'm gonna wipe these tears and i'm gonna remember that if i'm gonna move forward i'm gonna be strong enough to still be like successful even if i don't get radio play because i had put so much weight in getting radio play at the time i wiped them tears and that's the day i became what i call the one-man army and and that became my nickname i did a song called one man army because i said yo i'm strapped with a pad my pen is my gat, a mask and a vest, plus I'm dressed in all black. With God by my side, no man can harm me. This is the story of a one-man army. Mm. Feeling mm. by myself, I said, just me. No team or no clique, no partners, no relatives, not even my chick. No jewelry or no cars, no fancy awards. No city, no state, no wards could fight in my war. No man could understand my position. It's like I'm spitting bars from behind bars, because Earth is my prison. Don't talk. Just listen, I'm the definition of a man on a mission, a man with a vision. I plan with precision, I battle like a soldier. No alcohol or weed, I deal with my stress sober. I fight till it's over, but it ain't never over. Cause every day I got a new chip on my shoulder, spitting like I know I'ma die soon. I make you visualize my music, so I call it iTunes. And since God's with me, no man can harm me. Huh? This is the story of a one man army. I wrote that that day. <laughs> I wrote that that day. And that was after crying tears of just not being able to get played on the radio, you know. So that was one time. The other time that I felt like giving up was when, ah, man, I was, when I was signed to RCA. And the dude who signed me, shout out to him, his name was Gio Bivens. He signed me, and he really believed in me. But halfway through my deal, RCA, my division of RCA got bought out by another company. And the dude who ran the new company that bought out my division, dude ain't really rock with me. Like, like 
at all, man. And it just was so obvious that just his ego was just all in the way of him even giving me a fair shot. Dude ain't like me, man. And I realized that I was in a position where he had the power because I had signed that deal. He had the power to shelve me and keep me stuck to where I'm signed and I can't put music out, you know. And once I realized that this dude don't like me and I'm signed to him and I really felt stuck for the first time in my life, I'm doing everything. I got songs going viral. I got everybody calling the label like, man, you got D1 signed? Bro, that's a star right there. You heard me? That's a star. You got one. And I'm knowing that this dude ain't trying to hear all that because he already got it in his heart. I don't F with D. I don't like D. And I knew this. And, bro, I felt so stuck, bro. Them tears came back. You know what I'm saying? And that was tough, man. And I know that I was destined to succeed in this game because every time I could have got stuck, God always, always sent me an angel. And God uses people, imperfect people. God will still use imperfect people to help us out. Man, just just my, you know, just my circumstance called that a guy out of New York found out about me through the internet and was like, D1, bro, I love everything about you. I love what you represent, what you stand for. I want to manage you, right? So I'm in talks with the dude and I'm like, bro, thank you, bro. And I am who you think I am. Trust me, I'm all that you see on the screen and more in person, I promise you. But I'm in a bad situation right now, bro. And you might not want to manage me. It's a real messy situation. My label don't really rock with me. You know, the dude who run the label really don't rock with me. Like, it's tough. So he was like, it can't be that bad, bro. He was like, who? I mean, who is it? Who run the label? Da, da, da. I told him to do his name. This guy started laughing on the phone. He just bust out laughing. He was like, man, you got to be kidding me, bro. I said, what's funny? He said, man, that dude used to intern for me, man. What? That's my little homie. Like, that's, that, was, that dude was an intern for me when he was in college. I'm his OG. He was like, if you want to get out that deal, you don't want to be over there no more, man, I could get you out in 24 hours. Just say the word. I was like, bro, I got goosebumps right now that talking about That just gave me goosebumps. This, I was like, yeah, for real. Literally, of all the people in this world, bro. So he told me that. And I was like, man, definitely I want to get out the deal ASAP. Only issue I had was they owed me some money. They had, I had something called tour support built into my deal, right? Mm -hmm. To where they'll pay a certain amount of money for me to be able to go out on tour. I had just dropped my album, Slingshot David, dope album. Y'all definitely go check that out. Just dropped it, and I went on tour. The label, as usual, being slow. I'm like, yo, we got to pay bills for this tour to go on. Like, we got to lock in all this stuff, and it's taking forever. I was like, don't trip. I'll front the money for the tour, and i just get it back from y'all because I know. I know my contract. I have it built into my contract. I know how much I got. So I pay for the whole tour. We go do a nationwide tour. Uh, shout out to everybody who came out to the Slingshot David tour. That was like January and February of 2018. When I get off tour, I go, hey. I need to get that bread, you know what I'm saying? I just paid for this whole tour out of pocket, and it's right there in my contract. So they were taking forever to give it to me. When I met dude, and he was like, look, I know how this game works, and I know how that dude is. If you want to get out the deal tomorrow, I can get you out. If you want your money back from them, and you want to get out the deal, oh, that ain't going to happen. Mm -hmm. They going to feel like, oh, we give him that money, we ain't finna let him out this deal. Too. Got you. He was like, which one matters more? I said, freedom. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got out that deal, man. That little money, you know, it wasn't worth it. That's crazy, bro. Yeah. I know you said you it was one more time. I didn't know if you had to I, I know if you wanted to get into it, but um 
Mm. I, I do got a question for you though. Go ahead, bro. Yeah, we I saved the third one for the next time we do the podcast. That's yeah. bet. Um, so with the the trending female artist right now, you know, like we got um little you know, Suki with the good, you know, and um Trash. <laughs> I'm surprised you knew who that was, to be honest. And you know, we got um damn, what's um sexy red. Trash. Okay, sorry. And when I say trash, uh, I'm not disrespecting y'all as women, but I am talking about y'all music and the message in your music and the side of you that you are choosing to showcase. So keep going. <laughs> no, because because if we clip, because if we because if we edit that clip up and if that end up going on social media, I want that part to be in, not just the trash post, yeah, but the part about what's trash about them, because they'll be quick to be like, oh, he trying to be judgmental. No, 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 bro. I'm thankful I ain't got a daughter for some of the stuff that's <laughs> moved, like for, I got all boys, thankfully, because I wouldn't feel comfortable. You know, like, like when when my my oldest here in the studio, when he was younger, he used to love listening to Chance the Rapper, mm. clean clean mm-hmm. clean music, right? And I was like, he really all of that stuff. It was interesting to me. I'm like, this is your music of choice. Mm-hmm. So, but you, you're thankful that you know, like, your child isn't being programmed with all these negative components. So then we hear, um, we hear the, I hear I hear other things too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we hear stuff like, um, I'm thugging with my rounds, mm-hmm. you know, pound town, mm-hmm. you know, and then um what's what's Suki line? Um <laughs> something rotel. Yeah, she was like and she was like, um she was like, I'm eating too. Now I'm eating. Yeah, I'm like, this is these are the memorable, the notable moments in the music. And we know like we remember this stuff. It's catchy, like how you said earlier. This is stuff that becomes trending, marketable, but then we see the backing by society and social media of this type of music. So, like, what do you have to say about the direction of female music right now? Is is there an angle for them to, you know, like, like, like be like more like Scarlipish? Because I feel like her music is genuine New York music. The mainstream female rap right now has been manipulated to where these young women are thinking that they are liberating themselves and empowering themselves by speaking about sex and their body in such a way that's like, yeah, like I'm showing this off and I'm using this to get me money and to get me power and whatnot. But they're actually being manipulated to just get taken advantage of by the larger power structure to where you're disrespecting yourself and you're feeling good about it. Yo, to, to, to feed off this energy, um, can can we actually flip the narrative? Can we can we play instrumental and can can we get my can we get my man's blessing on it real quick? Mm. I just want to flip some energy real fast. You know what I'm saying? Flip some energy. What, what, what beat y'all gonna play? Yo, throw something on Danny. What we gonna quick. flip? Uh, Let's see. The uh, the uh, the I'm out of time. Yeah, right. I'm about to say, give him the give him the sexy red. <laughs> you can tell I don't be listening. Take it. To this. <laughs> uh. Oh 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me see. Maybe this love. Love. I don't care if you know me, you about to respect how I step. Why would you think I'd ever fear you? I don't even fear debt. A scary boy need a gun like bad breath need a gum. Yeah, your teeth clean, but I know the power of the tongue. I'm a man of God. I ain't superstitious. From New Orleans where Birdman quotes get treated like Bible scriptures. Me, I ain't the type to brag about what I done bought. I make silent moves, but I get loud results. D1 talk about his pain, you gon' really relate. If D1 talk about his paper, you gon' know that he's straight. If you go ask about D1, they gon' tell you he great. If D1 
want rap on top of your beat, you gon' know that he ate. You bragging about what you done been through, partner. We survivors too. And you call them boys your brothers, but which one's gon' ride for you? Ain't no G code no more. Boy, the streets that lie to you. That's why I be in my bag, but I be in my Bible too. Oh, yeah. Thugging with my round. Yeah. I'm in Miami. Yeah. Shout out to my granny. Hey, that was legendary right there, bro. That I never look legendary. at the song the same way ever. <laughs> again. Yeah. Yeah. I need that but, version. But That'll so, make so, it to the playlist. So listen, yeah. you, you know what's crazy about that and what's important about that is, you know, you take a beat that, you know, everybody loves, right? And and you flip it. And it, what it goes to show is that with the right instrumentation and the right sound, you can put the right things on it and it can still go. Cause I was bump, I was jamming that like I was jamming anything else. Mm. You know what I mean? So sometimes, mm. you know, and that's why I think it was dope about your music is you take sounds that we're all familiar with. We all listen to certain music and you put your spin on it and it just gives you that. It's like you f- almost forget what you listen to. Then when you hear the word, you like it empowers you for real, for real. Mm. With that being said, who do you feel is the top mixtape person of all time? Mixtape person in terms of the impact they mixtapes made. Hold on, can I give a hold? I got I got a better question for you. <laughs> give us your rap. Give us your rap, Mount Rushmore. All right. Um, before I get y'all that, turn that beat on one more time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Round two. Let's get it. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Love. 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 Uh. Uh. Okay. Check. Check. Love. I go through the type of test that make you into a man. I talk with that confidence that let you know I ain't playing. I come from the type of hood that lay you down where you stand. This the type of verse that turn a hater into a fan. Let me just bust out, I'm busting and watch me do what I do. I be that one man army tougher than your whole crew. Started from the bottom, that's how we was living. Boy, I'm from New Orleans where even the white people got rhythm. Look, just trying to be my best, defeat my flesh. You can't be selfish and still expect to be blessed. To my neck in this mess, but I expected these tests. So my Perspective reflects that I've neglected to rest I've been pushing and praying through the hard times I know you ain't no soldier Cause you be running when it's war time Be patient with me bro, that's all I need You can't look at a flower and forget that it was once a seed That was a good segue because that was some special shit we just heard. Yeah, I can't yeah, hold yeah. you. That was your sound, bro. Yeah, that was that was different. Yeah. You snapping, you snapping on that. Thank you, brother. Bro. Yeah, yeah. On that one, Jay. Yeah, that was, that was a whole new record right there. That that was, bro. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm over here. I'm like, maybe we need to drop this tonight. <laughs> I may have cried a little bit. Yo, like, I ain't gonna lie, bro. I, you yeah. know what's crazy, bro? I just, it just came to my head, bro. I would love to hear a project. You remember how Lil Wayne did No Sellings and he flipped every major beat? That's why I just asked. Who your, who your, who I would your love for you to do that. Person. Like, imagine if you took all the industry beats and you just destroyed them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and, yeah. and you did that, like, you know, because, you know, to reach the people, you gotta. Give them what they already know. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So if you give them what they already know, but your mm. version, man, you have kids listening to Pound Town, but your version, rapping mm. the right, you know, lyrics that I, I promise you, if I walk in my house and my son is playing Sexy Red Pound Town, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'd much rather him play Yo Straight. Yeah, <laughs> bro, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't get him in trouble in here, bro. Don't get him in trouble in the studio. So, <laughs> but you tracking that, man. Yeah, yeah. 
So going back to going back to your 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 uh your Mount Rushmore. Yeah, your rap Mount Rushmore. Who would make your rap Mount Rushmore? Yeah. Four people. All right. My rap Mount Rushmore would be Nas. Absolutely. Pac. Okay. Absolutely. Lupe Fiasco. Absolutely. And Juvenile. Okay. It's because I'm from I'm from that NO, bro. And I, I know I know how much his his music impacted my whole city. Mm. That'd be it's four on Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honorable mention. Honorable mention DMX. Oh, hey, okay. Okay. Yeah, DMX. Yeah. So that's that's mine. What's your favorite X song? Oh my goodness! Don't get me started, bro. <laughs> I'm serious. It could be Dogs for Life. It could be Slipping. It could I'm be. Slipping, oh man, oh, that's yeah. yeah. That and I, and I'm talking about like I'm going you know album cuts now. It could be uh uh man it bro. I like X's. What you call this? I like X. Some of X's. Uh oh, how's it going down? Yeah. His joints. Yeah. Like I like X's songs where he rapping about relationships and all that type of stuff. You know, um, one of my favorite is the one with Cisco. It's, oh, with the just one yeah. for like, thump, thump, Brenda. There's too many names. <laughs> I seen him perform that live, bro, and my, that was the best concert I've ever been to in my entire life. Oh no, DMX is the best performer that I have ever seen. Gotta mention Busta Rhymes, honorable mention. Uh, but DMX, like. I had the type of relationship with DMX to where I really believed that we were like spiritually connected because I've been listening to him since I was a kid. I have a video on YouTube talking about this. I had never met him in person, but I listened to so much of DMX's music that I felt like I knew him and I connected to him in terms of the level of passion that he always exuded on the microphone, in interviews, meeting people, but also on that stage performing. So he comes to New Orleans and he's doing a concert you know, I, I'm D1. They know me in the city, so they show love. D, where you? Oh, yeah, come on, man. You backstage, D, on, on stage, whatever. So I'm standing on stage along with, like, 40 other people, though, while DMX is performing. In the middle of the concert, he just tells his DJ, uh, DJ Nonstop, hey, yo, 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 hey, yo, dog, hey, yo, dog, hey, yo, dog, cut the music off, cut the music off. <laughs> so he cuts the music off. DMX turns around and sees all of us standing behind him on stage. I'm thinking he about to go off, like, <laughs> get off my mother stage, you know? <laughs> it ain't that. He comes through everybody that's on stage and finds me. And he's like, hey, yo, dog, do I know you? I'm thinking, oh, shoot, this is about to be bad. <laughs> I was like, nah, nah, ex nah, we never met before, man. Oh, nah, you don't know me. Dog, don't I know you? Don't I know you? Man, we North Carolina, right? And I'm thinking in my head, man, I ain't never met you in my life. But DMX is just swearing that we met in North Carolina. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, North Carolina, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. He's like, yeah, what is my baby? What is mine? So he dabbed me off. He hugged me real tight and all that. What's good? What's good? Da, da, da. So then he get back to performing, right? After the show, we go backstage and we sitting down back there. And I go, you know, formally introduce myself to him. He swears that we met already, right? And I tell him, I'm like, bro, I've been listening to you since I was a kid. And I've always felt like spiritually connected to you. I'm like, bro, I be praying for you. Even though I have never, I don't care what you're saying. I ain't from North Carolina, bro. But uh, <laughs> I, I be literally, you be in my prayers type stuff. And backstage, we prayed together. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That's a memory I will always hold on to, bro. Being able to pray with DMX backstage and just that level of connection, man. Um, that passion that he has when he performs, 
that became my bar that I was like, he set the bar for me in terms of the energy I got to bring to the stage. And lo and behold, people could be like, oh, D1, you freestyle crazy. Or D1, you know, your, your songs, when you record them, they, whatever, ain't nothing better than my live show. And it's because I'm out on my live show after DMX. Mm, that makes a lot of sense because I've seen you live, so that, that makes a lot of sense. And yep. I, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. I, seen, I know that energy. you're not the only person to speak so highly of DMX shows like from back in the day because, like, yeah, like people, like, just X as an individual, he's a whole situation. Remember what Jay Z said? Y'all yeah. saw that clip? Yeah, Jay Z said he was scared to go out on stage because he was like, <laughs> Man, when DMX was going out, he said, I just heard, <laughs> <laughs> he said, The whole crowd went crazy. <laughs> Where my dogs at? And the whole crowd going, before he even stepped foot on stage, this is just from backstage, DMX talking on the mic. And that, that's different. I saw X in the middle of his show. Uh, I think it's that song, Where the hood, where the hood, where the hood at? You know, that, that song he got. The intro for that song, he takes his shirt off, you know what I'm saying? And he just gets down. And he starts doing push-ups on stage, right? <laughs> so you see seeing DMX sweating already, been giving his all during the concert. But when that beat come on, doom, 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 yeah. doom. And he just doing push-ups. And you just sitting there getting hype with him, bro. <laughs> and he do like 50 push-ups. Then he get up right when the beat drop. What up? Bro, it's, it's different, dog. It's different. So... Yeah, and, and, and think about nowadays. These dudes be acting like they don't even want to be on stage. They be barely holding the mic. Yeah. They just be walking around. like. Uh, if you don't look like you're having fun when you're getting to perform your rap songs in front of an audience who actually cares about what you're saying, man, something is wrong, and I feel like you might be in the wrong profession because mm -hmm. there's no more of an adrenaline rush than when you are on stage performing the music that you put together and they actually know it and want to hear it. I didn't have that luxury. Coming up, I had to learn how to turn a stranger into a fan in 10 minutes or less. Because when I was on tour with Killer Mike and Young Dro and them, the crowd wasn't coming to see D1. Mm -hmm. I had to learn how to win over other people's crowd. You know what my second tour was after that? It was with Macklemore. So I go from the hoods of America to the suburbs of America. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and every night I'm on stage and he's talking about thrift shop. I'm going to pop some tags and the whole crowd loving it. And I'm like, damn, I got a 40-minute set before this man go on. 40 minutes with That's me. That's a long time. That is a heck of a long time. Yeah. So I have had to learn how to perfect the art of turning strangers into fans. You know what I mean? Mm. And that is something that made me such a great performer. That's it. I just thought about it. That's the course. That's crazy. That's a little insider right there. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't just worry know it's going to be available soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, yo, man, D1, listen, bro. I just want to say I, I appreciate your energy, bro. We, man, we, we so thankful to have you here today. Um, you know, and... What y'all got anything? No, and no, honestly, like for um, I don't have much to say except for I have to close out. But <laughs> <laughs> um, for you, with um, everything that you've been fortunate enough to accomplish and in your cycles, you know, on on this planet, whether it been through education or through music or just impacting other people or just being a positive influence, what is some light that you can you know share with anybody who's watching this or listening right now? It's very important to know that your existence already validates your need to use your gifts. 
the fact that you were created already shows that you have a purpose here on this earth. And these gifts that we have, we didn't have to work for these gifts oftentimes. It was a natural passion that we had or it was something that we were naturally good at. Don't abandon that. You have to use that because if you have not been called home yet to leave this earth, this world and people in it need your gift to be utilized for the purpose it was designed for. There are lives that will change. There are paradigms that will shift. There are curses that will be broken. And there's elevation that's going to occur when you use your gifts for the purpose God designed them for. And that's all I want to inspire people to do. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing about that. I'm not playing about that at all, bro. I don't want to inspire somebody to be the next D1. I want you to take the courage from D1 that you see that he exudes. And I want you to see D1 shining in his element and figure out what is your element and how can you shine in that same way. That doesn't mean to do exactly what D1 is doing. You have to add your sauce to your story. You know what I mean? And your story is your glory. That's a song on my new album. And this song is so powerful. Your story is your glory. So for the people thinking, I'm too old to make it. I miss my window. Man, I ain't gonna make it. I'm, I'm, I'm from the, I'm from the trenches, and ain't nobody checking for us down here. For the people that's thinking, nobody in my family ever made a hundred racks a year. How I'm supposed to run them M's up and become a millionaire? For the people that really don't think that their story qualifies them, or better yet, the people who feel like I'm not from the trenches, so I don't feel like I got enough of a story to make it. You know what I'm saying? Understand that your story is beautiful. Your story is your glory. And the more that you learn to truly own that and extract all the amazing parts out of your story, as bland as you might think it is, that story is going to be what's transforming your life from one level to the next. Yeah. yeah. I'm so thankful I asked you that question because we're going to take that, chop it up, run that like 20 different times. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that was that's amazing. all we talk about, bro. We talk about selling your story. The only difference between you and the next man is your story. That's it. And you you express it and articulate it in such a beautiful fashion. Crazy. Like, yeah, so. I might have to copy that joint down. <laughs> I'm about to make a t-shirt. Right. Yeah. But, man, I most definitely, I know, I I most definitely appreciate you coming out. This was my first time ever meeting you, ever, you know, like, building with you. And you are truly, genuinely, like, a brilliant individual. And Thank you have a beautiful spirit, bro. Thank you, I look forward to seeing you. I honestly feel like you're going to make it to my rap, my, my rap, my rich world. <laughs> wow. Like, no, real shit, bro. Wow. I'm like, because like, I I see what you're doing. And for me, that is, my rap, Mount Rushmore, is based on overall impact worldwide. And I feel like you have somebody, you're somebody who can leave that type of impression. Thank you, brother. That that means a lot to me. Um, I try not to get caught up in the awards and, and the accolades and like, am I in your top five? I, tr I really try not to because that's not in my control. But I'd be lying if I said that didn't feel good when I do hear that. So <laughs> thank you, bro. Yeah.